Hey, everybody. Extreme goal setting. That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Financial Wellness Podcast, episode 402, the second episode of the fourth year of the TFWP. And today we're going to talk about extreme goal setting. And I want to talk about goals, not New Year's resolutions. I hate New Year's Eve resolutions. I hate post New Year's Eve resolutions. Why? Well, we've talked about this before, but let's let's re- recap. First, they're not usually made with a lot of advanced thought. I mean, a lot of times they're done at a party or talking with a friend quickly. A lot of times someone will sit down and just put a bunch of bullet points on a piece of paper. Go, oh, yeah, I'd like to do this. Yeah, I'd like to do that. I don't think that makes for something that's worth spending a lot of time on. Secondly, they're usually not integrated into your overall life plan. I mean, yeah, I want to lose weight, but I want to lose weight every year, right? Doesn't everybody? But how does that fit into my longer view of life? And what do I want to accomplish? What do I want to accomplish personally, financially, et cetera, et cetera? And third, so many times they seem so typical or trite. You know, so many of them are the, the same. I've got a list that we're going to talk about here today. And we've, we've talked about this list before. And I'm, I'm guessing there's a lot of them on there that will sound pretty familiar to you because they sound pretty familiar uh, to me. So people say, look, Dave, you don't like New Year's resolutions. What do you like? Well, I like goals. And we're going to talk about that this week. So stay tuned. You know, I saw an article in Inc. Magazine last year, and it was uh, talking about a recent survey that was done about 2,000 people who responded regarding their New Year's resolutions. And here's the top 10 New Year's resolutions, according to the survey of 2,000 people. Number one, diet or eat healthier. 71% of the people out there said that. Now, that's me for sure. How about you? I think everybody has that, unless you're so skinny, like our engineer Scott, that you never have to think about losing any pounds. Number two, exercise more. 65% responded. And again, for me, for sure. How about you? Number three, lose weight. Again, for me, yeah. How about you? Is this stuff starting to sound familiar? It's kind of the same year to year and from person to person. Number four, save more and spend less. 32% of the people responded that this was one of their their, uh, New Year's resolutions. And finally, a financial resolution that relates to the podcast, but it's fourth down, everybody, fourth down on the list in terms of uh, the number of people that responded in the in the positive, so uh, that's certainly something that you want to you want to think about. Um, and this goal, this fourth goal, saving more and spending less, relates to a little something that's more 
long term, but look at that. It's only one out of three people, 32% less than one out of three that are responding that this is something they actually talked about. Number five, learn a new skill or hobby, 26%. I mean, that's great, but it, it sounds kind of shallow, right? Not when we should be thinking about important things like what we want to accomplish next year. Number six, quit smoking. 21% responded. That's not my issue. Number seven, read more, 17%, only 17%. And yet we talked in years past about the five-year rule, followed by Bill Gates and Benjamin Franklin, that said that the key to success was to read five hours a week. And only 17% of the people are saying on New Year's Eve or around New Year's, hey, I'm going to do that. Number eight, find another job, 16%. Um, I already got a job. I got couple of jobs, couple of things that I do. I don't think of them as jobs, but a couple of things that I do. But apparently there's a lot of people thinking about this. Um, nine, number nine, drink less alcohol. 15% responded that way. It sound, I mean, sounds good. Sounds reasonable. Um, although this last year with COVID, I think a lot of people were drinking more and more, more power to them, I suppose, as long as it wasn't uh, in a compulsive way. And number 10, spend more time with family and friends, 13%. I think that's a good idea, but um, perhaps that could be part of a, a larger call to be a better family member or, or a friend. Um, but you see what I mean? These resolutions can be a little bit narrow and not many of them seem to really fit into one's overall life plan, comprehensive life plan. And for that reason, I think a lot of these miss the mark. And I, I bumped into a survey on uh, in Inc. Magazine, and Inc. Magazine found that that uh, 60% of us admit that we make New Year's resolutions, um, but only about 8% of us are successful in achieving them. And perhaps most importantly, and I, sadly, over half of the respondents to this Inc. Magazine survey responded that they failed their resolutions before January 31st. So what I like is setting goals, goals, meaningful goals, stuff that we can get done and add value to our life. Now, I think we can talk about goals in terms of setting long-term goals and yearly goals or more short-term goals. Long-term goals, of course, will last over the course of many years and, and they'll usually be bigger goals. They'll represent significant achievements. Uh, an example might be obtaining financial independence, owning a home, not having to work five days a week, being a better parent, and, and yeah, getting into shape. These goals should be big, and they should inspire you. Should They should come from your soul. Um, they should be what you think about from time to time during the week. You know, as an example, I, I think of uh, Steve Jobs. One of his goals was to put a dent in the universe. And you heard him talk about this many times when he was interviewed. And he gets so excited and worked up about it. He wanted to do something significant that changed the course of society. And I think we could argue that he probably succeeded in that goal on several accounts, uh, even though his life was tragically um, cut short. Another interesting long-term goal might be staying healthy. This doesn't mean losing weight necessarily. Rather, it means perhaps eating more correctly, getting some exercise, and taking care of your body and mind. And remember, we, we talked about the fact that the number one goal that people set is you know losing weight and going on a diet. Perhaps maybe the more important long-term term goal would be to strive to be healthy. 
And then there's some short-term goals that you might set or yearly goals, like we said. And these goals would be how you achieve in shorter chunks towards your long-term goals. These are what really most people call New Year's resolutions. But short-term goals, because they come from a tombstone statement uh, that results in long-term goals, will be more based upon who you are and what you want to be. And they come from the essence of you. So as a result, long-term goals are more likely to inspire you. They're, you're more likely to follow them and you're, you're more likely to be successful. Remember, we said that only 8% of people achieve their New Year's resolutions. So uh, goals uh, or resolutions which come from the core values and excite you are much more likely to be achieved. Now, you may have heard me say tombstone statement, and if you don't know what I mean, go back to uh, our episodes about a year, the first part of, of last year, and we'll talk about your tombstone statement. Basically, it's what you want people to read about you when you would pass, how you want people to think of you when you were gone, because really that's what you want your en emphasis to be, what you're proud of, the mark that you left uh, behind when you left this world. So <clears throat> those are some things I want people to think about in terms of goals, not New Year's resolutions. Now, a lot of you are thinking, okay, Dave, mechanically, how do you go about setting these goals? And I've, I've got a couple of ideas. First, and everybody says this, first, your goal should be fairly specific. And this is especially true for your short-term goals. Uh, not only should they be fairly specific, they should be fairly simple. Uh, your goals for the year ahead could be something that you could recite almost off the top of your head. An example of a specific goal might be to have 10,000 in savings by the end of the year. Another example of a specific goal might be on a general health theme to work out in some fashion or to get some exercise in some fashion at least four days a week. If you can repeat it in an elevator, if someone said, hey, what's your top four goals? And you can say it right off the top of your head in an elevator. That means it's coming from your heart. It's coming from your tombstone statement. It's part of your long-term goals. And it's a good motivating goal for you. Second, your goal should be measurable. If you set out a specific goal, chances are there's some way to measure it. Obviously, financial goals are pretty easy to measure. You just pull out your phone and look at how your stocks are doing or look at your bank account, et cetera, et cetera. Third, goals should be realistic and attainable. World peace is not a realistic goal. It's a great goal but it's not realistic for a single person. You know, part of this also involves a goal that's it's right-sized. That's part of this concept. If a goal is too simple, we'll accomplish it in the first month. If your goal was to be, hey, wake up every day, well, chances are you're going to accomplish that goal. It's not a very big or meaningful goal, but it's something you'll accomplish, but it's too simple. If your goal is too complex, you get discouraged and quit. Now, you might have a couple goals that you can accomplish in the first couple months, and that's okay, but you should look at the totality of your goal or your goals and make sure that they're not too little or too much. You know, make your goals both realistic and attainable. Fourth, your goals should be 
rewarding. They should be the kind of goals that turn you on. They should be the kind of goals that get you excited about getting out of bed in the morning. If your goal is to do a thousand sit-ups a day, I don't know. It's kind of hard to look forward to getting out of bed and doing that. Fifth, you should write your goals down. And writing them down for some reason makes them more real. I don't know why. It just seems to be the case. I've heard people say that uh, written goals tend to be accomplished more often, that it's almost magic. Even uh, though you should be able to recite your goals off the top of your head, writing them down gives them something very specific or gives you something very specific to look back on and reflect. And if you go back to a prior podcast, you remember we talked about, hey, write these down even in your in your phone, in the memo section of your phone, so that they're always with you and you can refer to them. If you're in a long line at the bank, you go, oh, let me, let me pull out my goals, see how I'm doing. Gives you something to look at and think about. And then sixth, your, your goals, you should periodically review them. Every three to six months is probably a good thing to do because it takes you back mentally, back to the place where you thought about your tombstone statement. Um, and setting short-term and long-term goals. And it's, it's good to bring yourself back to that place, both mentally and emotionally from time to time. And you notice that I say mentally and emotionally, because I think it's important that you emotionally feel that. Remember, one of the themes that we have this year is financial success is more about the heart than the head. And I think that is true. Think about that. Now, we've certainly discussed various ways to develop goals in, in each of the last two years. And what I promised you this year was supercharged goals or extreme goals. And there are two additional parts to extreme goal making that I want to bring to you this year. Uh, first, phrase goals in terms of something you'd like to achieve rather than something you would like not to do. Frame your goals in a positive rather than a negative way. A recent study published in the research journal PLOS One and reported in a recent edition of HuffPost found that this was a way to supercharge a person's goal achievement. They found that it's hard, perhaps impossible sometimes, to erase negative behavior, but it's easier and much more powerful to replace it with some positive behavior, something that you're excited about doing. And the study found that a person had a 15% better chance of achieving their goal if they simply rephrased it in a positive manner. And I think this type of thinking also shows when we're talking about a spending plan instead of a budget. Want to go on a budget? No way. Spending plan to get me somewhere where I want to be? Well, Okay. And this is nothing new. We've been talking about this for years. But when you phrase it as a spending plan, it's a lot more attainable. It's, it gets you more excited, way more interesting than being on a budget. So for example, instead of a goal to eliminate that line item in your spending plan for coffee at Starbucks, a better goal might be to consciously spend money in line with the person's overall plan or objectives. I mean, this way it will seem not like you're trying to do less, but rather doing something that's in line with the overall goals, which, by the way, springs forth indirectly or maybe directly from your tombstone statement. Spending money consciously 
um, so that you achieve a goal is way more exciting than saying, well, I really, I really should not get that latte so much at Starbucks. Easy, easy, but it's how it's framed that can make a difference psychologically. Remember, financial wellness is more about the heart than the head. We're going to come back to that so many times this year. Here's another example. You know, maybe not a goal of finding a way to get by with a, a lesser car, but maybe a goal of having a certain amount of money saved at the end of the year to get you closer to your goal of financial independence. Wow. Thinking about it that way, it makes it a lot easier to drive around in that old beater car that's paid for that's in its, what I call its gravy years, when you can pocket those payments, as long as it's safe and as long as it runs. But you're getting closer to your goal of financial independence. You're not trying to teach yourself or control yourself to be comfortable with a, a beer car. So second way, second thing that you can do to supercharge your goals Think of your goals as not a series of checkoff items, but rather a menu of integrated related goals, a goal portfolio, if you will, a mix of goals that will include long-term and short-term goals. I mean, we've touched upon this again over and over and over previously, but also a mix of goals that are easy and hard. Uh, for example, if your main goal is just to get up each morning, you're, you're probably going to do that. If your goal's world peace, chances are you're going to miss your mark. But if you have a portfolio of goals that includes some easy goals and some tougher goals, and they relate to your tombstone statement, the package as a whole will be more meaningful and attainable. So think of your goals as a, a goal portfolio with different kinds of goals for different kinds of things. So what do you got to do? Well, Go off alone in a park, in a restaurant by yourself, if you can find one where you can sit down inside, preferably do it outside or go to a closet and think about your tombstone statements and write out your long-term goals to get there. And then write out your goals for this year. And then take a look at it and see what you have and see if they meet the criteria we discussed. Do you have a goal portfolio? Do you have some easy goals, some tougher goals, some short-term, some long-term goals? Take a look at your whole portfolio and see if it makes sense, not only for this year, but for pursuing your long-term goals and ultimately, I suppose, your tombstone statement as well. So stop and then come back to those after a few days and see if they really work for you after some reflection. And then put them in a safe place so you can look at them throughout the year. Again, I love putting them on the iPhone in a, in a locked document so that you can look at those at a moment's notice. And then keep these goals in mind. Consider the elevator exercise so they're at the top of your mind. And I think that if you do this, the main goal setting strategies, plus the extreme or supercharged goal setting strategies that we've talked about here today, I think that you will find that you will come up with a great set of goals and really be something that you want to pursue, especially in this year where I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for a lot of people. Something to think about.
This is Dave Hagen, and you're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. All right. Since I'm riding solo today, I'm going to do something that I almost never do. And that is I'm going to read the email for us to talk about directly. So we have an email here from Zig and it says, Dave, 2020 was an interesting year. As it turns out, I'm able to do my job entirely online and no longer need to live in San Francisco. I'm thinking about moving to St. Thomas in the Caribbean or even somewhere further away like New Zealand. I hear they have no COVID in New Zealand. What are some things I should think about when I consider this move? Signed, Zig. Wow. Wow. My first thought is congratulations, Zig. You can work outside of San Francisco, California, potentially the United States Congratulations to you and congratulations to you for thinking outside the box. You know, a couple of years ago, I think a lot of people were just content to say, well, you know, I'll just live in the city and it's fine. And uh, my friends are here and blah, blah, blah. And you're thinking outside the box, basically creating a new uh, life or at least new portions of your life. And wow, good for you. Now, while this is a newer thought, perhaps, uh, it's been done in some fashion for years. I knew someone who did this years ago. Um, this person was a Hollywood a talent agent, and they lived in Maine. And they were simply using call forward and a new thing called a cell phone and a fax. Now, this was quite a while ago, obviously. And this person would show up once a month in Hollywood, fly across the country and be seen at a premiere or seen at the Palm talking to clients and waving to people. So uh, everyone would believe that she was in and about the town. And no one knew that she lived in Maine. And it seemed to work for her. And, you know, she was already established here and she had her own business, so to speak. But it worked for her. And I assume still works for her. She's still working, although she was awful darn successful, might be retired now. So here are some things, though, Zig, that you might want to consider. Number one, consider time zones. Uh, will you need to get up in the middle of the night for meetings? Do you even need to be at meetings? Uh, back in the day, you were on the phone and no one knew what the heck the other side looked like. But now with Zoom, um, you've got to be prepared to, to deal with that. And if you're always looking kind of droopy and drowsy because you're making calls at the middle of the night, that could be an issue. Um, not so much from West Coast to the East Coast. And by that, I mean San Francisco to uh, the Caribbean. But um, certainly if you end up you know, down in some place like New Zealand. Uh, number two, consider the distractions. Will it be hard to work when you look out the window and you see this clear... Um, blue ocean. Might that be too distracting? I don't know. Might be for me. 
Um, there's a company out there called Obermeyer and they make ski clothes. And their rule is that if you're in the office working and it turns out that it's just a good snow day, some good snow comes down, they want you to go out and take a couple of great runs. And man, I love that, but it would be really distracting to me to have to get all dressed up, go out and take some runs and then be all worked up and want to keep skiing and yet go back to the office. I don't know. That might be more detrimental than, than beneficial for me. Number three, consider proximity to the home office. If you have to get there and you will, how quickly can you get there? I mean, New Zealand would be a long flight. Um, St. Thomas, maybe not too bad. But always consider that because there will be times when you have to quickly get to the office. Number four, consider if it will limit your career advancement. You know, they say out of sight, out of mind. And I think there's something to be said for that. Um, do you need to protect your turf at the home office? It varies from job to job. But consider that you don't want to be too remote uh, where people aren't considering your input um, or you're not able to control uh, situations in the office. Um, number five, consider the cost of living at a, a vacation locale. I mean, St. Thomas might be pretty expensive. I'm not sure, but something to think about. Um, six, watch for your company to try and reduce your pay if you're living in someplace that's less expensive. Um, I know this is being talked about a great deal um, currently in the, in the media with the in people working at home due to the, the COVID thing. Um, most people seem to think that, you know, a company isn't going to reduce your pay or would have a hard time reducing your pay. Um, it hardly seems fair, especially if your contribution is equal to someone that's living in the, the city and showing up every day, but um, it could happen. Most people are thinking though, that future raises would be less. They'll say, well, you're not going to get as much of a raise as somebody else. Cause we know your cost of living down there in St. Thomas is less. So, I don't know. Here's a, there's just a couple things to, to think about. I think it's an evolving issue. Um, it's been around a long time, but it's now in the forefront again um, due to the uh, COVID. But again, uh, congratulations that, you know, you're, you're able to, to work remotely, um, that they, the, the company still values your, your contribution and that you're thinking outside the box and potentially living in some really, really nice, places. Well, so we're out of time. Tune in next week. The guys will be back. They were off this week. This is Dave Hagan, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Remember, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications or share the podcast via the app with your family and friends. This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.